Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tinker Talks. This is your audio format podcast that discusses events and happenings behind the fence line of Tinker Air Force Base. September is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, and uh, that's a very obviously a very important topic, uh, very important to the Air Force, especially um, with some things that have have taken place over the last year to try to help uh, get people help where they need help, and so. With that today, we're gonna we're gonna be joined by Captain Andrea Krenfuz. She is the 72nd Medical Group Director of Psychological Health and the Family Advocacy Officer. Um, and we did have a chance to speak a while back, actually, when when yes, COVID yeah. started. And so, and we'll kind of tie that in to this topic here uh, in a little bit later as well. As far as uh, we were kind of out on the the leading edge of discussing long-term effects of what this pandemic could do. But anyway, uh, ma'am, thanks for joining us again today. Glad to be here. Uh, welcome on. So um, as as we jump right into this, and September is a, is a very important month for a very, very key issue and topic that affects the Air Force, our families uh, very deeply. Um, have any new programs been implemented since the, the last year I mean, just to give some context for the listener, we did a resilience tactical pause mm-hmm. last year where the chief of staff uh, ordered the Air Force to shut down. Uh, we're going to take some time to discuss what is happening and how we can help and create some things to help our airmen get well. Uh, so since that happened, have, have there been any programs or any things implemented? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. So like you had mentioned, this was a was a tasking that came down from um, from General Goldfein back in August of 2019. Um, and the, the task was really to make sure that people had an opportunity to engage in dialogue and talk about the things they'd been struggling with um, and connect with helping agencies and develop some ideas of ways forward. Um, so it's difficult to say whether or not any new large-scale programs have been developed or implemented um, following the RTP. And part of this is because each unit or group was tasked with hosting their own individualized RTP. Um, so there's not been an overarching response in terms of program development that I'm aware of. Right. Um, but I do know that certain organizations have kind of refined their existing programs um, to specifically address some of those challenges that folks identified during the RTP. Um, so great examples, 552 AMXS has a life skills class. Um, and so their classes have adapted to make sure that we're taking care of things like relationship distress, um, substance use, sleep hygiene, general mood complaints, um, FTAC, and then the two-minute tune-ups as well from mental health. Two-minute tune-ups, I mm-hmm. love it. And obviously this is going to be a long-term. I mean, we're, we're, yes. we're one year since the RTP um, took place, and obviously we're going to keep flushing this out and, and growing as we move forward. Um, so good. So what have been some of the, the positive results from that? Like the, the two-minute tune-up, what is, what is that all about? Yeah, so two-minute tune-up was um, the mental health flights um, kind of response to the feedback that we had received as part all, or as partial facilitators for that RTP. Um, so the feedback that we really got was that um, we want to know that leaders know they're not just checking boxes, that mm-hmm. they actually care about what's going on and that people um, 
don't just hear niceties, but they know what to do with the information. Um, so the mental health flight includes the mental health outpatient clinic, family advocacy, and then ADAPT as well. Um, so between those different elements, there were these 120 minute videos um, or articles that came out that said, hey, here's how to you know, <laughs> take care of yourself amidst the pandemic um, while you're at home or while you're at work um, short, easy to implement, um, and hopefully meaningful um, to the folks who were able to, to hear those. Awesome. And those, those are on a, a website somewhere? Are they on the medical yes, group website? Yes. Um, so they came through the medical group website. I think a couple of them went out to the base at large. Um, and then we have a nice full library as well if um, certain organizations or units say, hey, we're just looking for some, you know, every Friday we want some sort of mental health related topic. We right. can share those with them. Okay, awesome. And so what, what are some of the other things that, that Tinker may be doing um, this year to, to raise awareness for, mm -hmm. to, for suicide awareness? Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I've seen that I think is, is really important is that kind of the overwhelming feedback from that RTP is that leadership engagement, so really knowing your people matters. Um, it's what people want. It makes a difference. It can save a life. So having leadership do walkabouts, um, having mental health do walkabouts, investing in our MFLACs, which are their military life um, and family counselors, um, that is important and meaningful. Um, so I have, I have seen an increase in that kind of leadership engagement. Um, and I think that that is something that we'll need to continue and can't stop um, mm. despite the pandemic, right? Put on a mask, get out there, know your people, right. um, and let them see you. Right. And we were masked up until, but we are we are socially distanced. Yes. We're <laughs> we're in a large enough room here. Um, but that, and I think that's it's a very critical point you talk about getting out of the office to mm -hmm. see people, to know your people, um, and it's probably challenging for some because. I know having been around this work for a very long time, and I, I won't give it all away, but I'm no spring chicken. <laughs> Thank you, Jillian. I laugh from down the table. Um, but the work is increasing every year. Yes. And as that workload ramps up, it's so easy to just not come away from a computer and go out. But, I mean, you're right. It is so critical to get the face-to-face -face engagement, understand who your people are, um, even in leadership things, that there are things that you can do with taking time for people um, to make sure that it happens. But uh, and, and the pandemic, I think, has proven one thing to us as a society that I think we're more of a face-to-face -face society than we had thought. Yes. Know, we thought we were moving into this digital age, but as it turns out, maybe that's not really so true. Yeah, there's actually this great study um, that took place where we assume kind of these millennials or Gen Zs are all, you know, I want my information through social media, um, I want it through text, I want to be able to find it on a website. But what we're finding is that the preference, especially of our younger generation, is I want to hear it specifically from my leader. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily <clears throat> want it from installation leadership, I want it from my supervisor. I want it from my flight commander um, and that that has really shifted the role in the pandemic because at first we relied everything on on emails and texts mm -hmm. and zooms and everything else and now we're finding hey these phone calls make a difference um, being able to see someone's face through a screen makes a difference um, and it not only makes a difference to people's kind of sense of efficiency at work, but how well cared for they perceive that they are. Right. And sitting at home, even teleworking, I mean, that 
even if you're not sick, I mean, that, that, that mental pressure, <laughs> that, that, that uh, anxiety can really build. Um, and so tell me, why would some people not want to come forward? Say you're that person sitting at home uh, and you're teleworking and physically and from COVID, certainly you're okay, but, um, and we're all very fortunate to still be working. So, you know, maybe not personally impacted financially, <laughs> although a spouse may be. Um, or a loved one, but why would somebody not come forward to seek help? Yeah, so the big one that I think most people would jump right to is stigma. Um, Mm. Stigma being the idea that if I seek support for my mental health, I will be viewed as less than in some way. So weaker, um, less able to handle my own um, problems, um, maybe less able to do my job. And that we find still runs rampant in the military. It is changing and it changes most when leaders are willing to be vulnerable about their own experiences with stress and mental health. but it's still there, and it's especially there in some of our um, more tip-of-the-spear communities, so our flying communities. Um, maintenance every once in a while will really struggle with asking for support. Um, and it's interesting, right, because if we are playing sports and someone's injured, everybody takes a knee hmm. and says, hey, we're, you know, we're going to be down here respecting you on your level until you're able to rise again, and they always rise with someone picking them up. Um, and we don't we don't give that a second thought. But That's when it comes point. to an internal injury, when it comes to our mental health, for some reason we see that as as weakness. Right. Um, so stigma is definitely one. Another one um, that actually my research focuses on is this idea of career worry. So not necessarily I'm going to be viewed as weaker because I have sought mental health support, um, but they're going to take my wings. They're going to put me, you know, DNIF or PRP down, or they're going to take my security clearance or take my gun. Um, and that that really drives a wedge between um, people who are suffering and the supportive resources that are there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more. But my thing is, um, coming from that mental health background, I want you to come and see me, and I want you to come and see me before it gets bad. Right. Right. If we if we bottle it up, then yeah, there may be some consequences because at this point. It's not safe for you to do your job. Um, but if you come see me early, that's that's not going to be the case. Um, should you decide not to, to come and see me, there are loads of other resources, and I would rather have you go somewhere else than nowhere at all. Right. Um, I think another and the last one is that oftentimes we expect people who are suffering to reach out for help. Mm. Um, and those people are already burdened with their mental health concerns. They have enough going on. They have limited energy to seek that treatment and so what i always like to do is reframe don't don't expect people to ask for help ask somebody if you can help them right and you know we we tie that back to just a a conversation that like we were in this morning um we were having a a sensing session which is part of something else diversity and inclusion Mm -hmm. and that that's kind of now something that we do is that we we gather together as a group to talk. Um, but one thing that came out in that was about the introverts in our office. And so even, um, people who are suffering and maybe even worse than introverted people is that they're already not used to coming forward and, and expressing things to people. Um, so it's important for all of us to kind of understand and and see some of the triggers. And and we'll talk about that in a second, but Mm -hmm. I think you bring up a great point too, about the team sports. So somebody goes down on a football field with an ankle injury, and you're right, everybody comes together, they kneel, they may join hands, 
Um, but the thing people need to remember, like you bring up, is that mental health and and that 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 can lead somebody to not be to be an injured player, basically, mm-hmm. because every person on our teams has an intricate part in what we do as an Air Force. Right. Everybody. So your one piece that that can't be done because you're affected somehow with an injury and a mental injury mm-hmm. um, means that the team is going to suffer. And so I think it's important that people understand that you're just looking at this person in the same way. You get to respect that your valued team member mm-hmm. is is wounded uh, or hurt somehow. And, uh, yeah. you know, join in, take that knee and bring them up and uh, exactly. let's, let's get be- better together. Exactly. Um, and so now we, we did talk back in March at the beginning of the, the mm-hmm. COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and we spoke really about something that hadn't started coming up until more and more maybe just recently, but that was about the possible long-term issue that may come as a result of the pandemic, um, which is the possibility of of mental illness. Um, People are suffering, and that could lead to thoughts of taking one's life. Mm -hmm. Um, It is now a big topic out in the communities and the the news um, and even at at the Pentagon level and the White House. have you seen an uptick in airmen requesting help from these resources or have you heard about it as coping through stress since the pandemic? So interestingly, when COVID-related precautions were first made across base, we saw a decrease in mental health referrals. Mm. Um, And that that at first came as a big shock and surprise to us. We were gearing up to, you know, be around the clock kind of services. Um, but what we found is that when people were tasked to stay home, they didn't have the same kind of work-related stressors. Um, and we were headed into summer, so that most kids were expected to be at home anyway. Right. Um, and especially with the military community, our pay is not necessarily dependent on us being at our jobs physically all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so most people experienced a decrease in stressors and mental health complaints, at least at first. Um, What we found is that over time, um, once people started going, hey, this pandemic's going to be around for a while and this has really changed my life or Mm -hmm. um, my wedding was called off or I had a baby and my parents couldn't come and see, um, all of those sorts of things, that stressor uh, level has increased again. And right. so we are starting to see a return to um, higher operations within the mental health clinic. Um, and I think the thing to to really keep in mind is that when people are now coming to mental health, um, they're coming with potentially problems that they've kept bottled up for a while because they weren't expecting their work stressor, right? Um, right? You know, if you imagine mental health is kind of this cup or stress is this cup, um, people were getting to the brink of their cup at home and now all of a sudden they're coming back, they're returning back to work and it overflows. They just don't have that capacity. They don't have it in the, in the reserves um, to be able to to take all of that on. Um, So what we're seeing is that for the folks who are returning to the mental health, the severity of their concerns has increased. Right. Mm -hmm. That's, um, yeah, it's tough. And that's, we're, you know, we seem to still be so far from, from this, um, getting resolved. And so, you know, and hopefully people will keep coming forward because that's, you know, that's a critical component is that they are coming to talk to you and, and using the resource available. Um, so what would you say is the most important thing for people to know and be aware of if they're having suicidal thoughts or tendencies um, or dealing with just stress and anxiety? Yeah. So when you are down in that pit of despair and hopelessness 
um, you're blinded to the good things that are there. Um, that's not your fault. You're just blinded to the people who care, the opportunities for growth, um, and the way that hurt has a way of softening around the edges with time. Um, that's how suicidality works, is it convinces you that there is no better option than to permanently end your life. Mm -hmm. um, so morbid ideation is kind of this idea of if I go to sleep and I don't wake up again, I'm okay with that. Or if an accident happened and I happened to die but it's not my fault, I would be okay with that. And morbid ideation occurs in about 80% of adults at least sometime in their life. So wow. it's a relatively normal thing to experience. It's more um, based on the idea of escaping mm -hmm. some sort of stressor. Right. Um, when that changes to this suicidal ideation, which is the idea of doing something to intentionally hurt and or kill yourself, um, that's when it's really time to get help. And sometimes get help means sitting with someone who can sit in the suck with you mm -hmm. um, and say, hey, this is really awful and there's no solution except to just not be alone right now. Um, and sometimes that means finding somebody who can see the light for you and shine it around and lift you back up. Yeah. Right, awesome, that's good stuff. Uh, it's so critical, um, so important because the, the stressors, you know, they, they're not going away. Right. Um, and even as we talked about months ago, even with the pandemic, that's just one more thing added to, you know, an already, high stressful situation here in the air force it's high ops tempo mm -hmm. um, you know we've been overseas deployed in in a number of regions for a very long time so there's a lot of things coming at our airmen and and our civilian airmen too because you know they're they're part of this whole thing with the, the workload ramping up absolutely the, the, the more the more our uniformed folks deploy the more the workload comes back for the civilians so they're kind of it's just one big cog mm -hmm. um, and just such a key topic to, to focus on. Um, so can you tell us what are some valuable resources that people can use when they need help or, or yeah. don't know what to use? Yes. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up our civilian airmen as well, um, because I think so often when we talk about suicide in the military, um, we just talk about resources who are available to those who wear the uniform. Mm. Um, and there are countless resources available to anybody. Um, so the biggest one is probably the suicide hotline 24-7, right? That's what I'm looking for when I'm, when I'm thinking suicidality. Because mm. most of the time during business hours, people are busy and right. they've got their mind on other things. And it tends to be the middle of the night when those suicidal thoughts creep in. Um, so suicide hotline um, one 800 7 842433. And there's also the option of a veterans crisis line. So sometimes military folks want to speak to somebody in the military about their suicidal thoughts. Um, so there's a special option, option one. Um, the other thing that's important for our families and our civilian airmen is that those who identify with um, certain minority groups, so for example, LGBT um, or Latino or black um, or even youth experience higher rates of suicidality mm -hmm. and it can be really hard to call in um, to someone who doesn't look, think, believe in the way that you do. Um, and so there are teen hotlines, there's LGBT um, hotlines, transgender hotlines, and there are also applications, um, right? So the, mm -hmm. the good thing about COVID is that we have learned to adapt the ways right. that we can be responsive. Um, so the two that I always recommend, one is called My3. The whole purpose of this free app is that it's got three people that you trust and can call 
at any point. Um, and it has a quick link where it'll just connect you with a hotline. So one wow. click away, you're going to be connected with someone. The other is a virtual hope box, which is a DOD um, app as well. So that's got your crisis numbers, but also a safety plan. Hmm. So suicide is also oftentimes an impulsive decision. Mm -hmm. The ideation is not impulsive, but the behavior is. And so the idea of a safety plan is just slowing that roll, right? Giving right. yourself time to get your brain back online. And and as even our, our boss said last year, um, Colonel Felchek, mm -hmm. as we were, we did some, um, heard from him in the RTP was that I think one of the biggest takeaways that, that I got from him and that he really strongly encouraged and you had brought up here too is that don't be afraid to come forward and talk to somebody mm -hmm. like there is nothing that is going to happen to your career um, if you are stressed and you're having a tough time coping um, mm -hmm. that you should not feel like you can't come come forward to, to get some help to somebody you are a teammate and a, and a valued teammate so um, with that, ma'am, I think uh, that that's a good place to wrap up um, this month. Thank you for coming back and, and joining us. Good, Always appreciate the opportunity. Good to see you healthy and uh, and uh, upright and and thank doing, you, doing you as well. Great things for our airmen on on the your side of the work. Uh, it's very important work and maybe something you don't get uh, enough kudos and credit for, uh, but for helping out and well, listening you. and helping save our our teammates' lives. So. Um, with that, we will bring to a close another episode of the Tinker Talks podcast. Uh, please remember to check out our website, tinker.af.mil, and also check us out on social media. That's at Tinker Air Force Base on Facebook and Instagram, at team underscore tinker, on, team tinker, at team underscore tinker on Twitter. Thank you, Jillian. <laughs> and uh, Jillian Coleman uh, giving me the stare down the, the table there. She's <laughs> runs all the audio gear and uh, is the brains behind this podcast. So thank you as well for doing what you do, Jillian. And uh, please remember, we're going to we're gonna put everything uh, in the show notes, some of these valuable links um, that Captain K mentioned today, uh, resources to, to go get help when you need help. And so with that, until next time, uh, everybody out there, please stay safe, be kind to one another, and uh, we'll see you next time.